In my day job, I am a teacher of religious studies um, at a local school, and I'm married to Dave, who is currently at DTI, whizzing around on a golf buggy, filming for DTI TV. <laughs> so, hi, Dave. Um, this week, we were at New Wine together uh, as a family and with some of our church family, which was an awesome experience, um, full of some incredible highs, and the Lord blessed us so much. Um, I got home to some terrible news, uh, which was very, very difficult. So it's been a, high, a week of highs and of lows, and I almost didn't come and preach this morning, but I really felt like the Lord had put something on my heart to share with you. So that's why I'm here. So let me just pray. Um, Lord, we come here before you and recognize that we have nothing without you. Thank you that you are a good God. And we pray, Jesus, that you would meet us this morning. And whatever useful things that I've prepared to say, may they land with people this morning. And we pray for our family, church family at DTI. We pray for our young people to meet you, Jesus, in the most powerful way, and that you would bless us with your presence here this morning and that we would meet you too. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few years ago, Dave and I were, were chatting. Um, it was quite a few years ago, actually. It was 11 and a half, nearly 12 to be exact. Um, and he said to me, really, Lorraine? He was like, people will think that's really weird. And I was like, no, no, no. I think it's a really, really good name. He's like, but nobody will know this name. And I said, look, the name means strong rock, stone of help, we have to choose it. It's from 1 Samuel chapter 3. And this was, of course, the name we were going to give our firstborn child. So he was not going to win. I was. It comes from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And um, the, me, the Ebenezer stone was placed as a sign of peace. And that's where our son's name come from, Eben. And it was a sign of peace between two warring tribes, the Israelites and the Philistines. And, and the war that took place took, was, went on for a very, very long time. And that's where we start our story today, um, Samuel was the first prophet to a new line of kings, and he didn't really have an easy start in life. And actually, it was his mum where I want to start with. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, that's Samuel's mum-to-be. Weeping bitterly, she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be ever used on his head." So that's from the book of 1 Samuel 1, and she's talking about a Nazarite vow, okay? So Samuel's mother was childless. She was heartbroken, but God remembers her, and she becomes pregnant. But our story today is not about Samuel. It's about a guy called Samson. Well, actually, to be more explicit, it's, it's about his mom and dad. So I'm going to invite my friend Lucy to come and read you the passage from Judges 13. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah, named Manoah from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, 
A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God, very awesome. He didn't ask him, I didn't ask him where he came from and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you'll become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field, but her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, he's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, are you the man that talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord answered, your wife must do all that I've told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, we would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, what is your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? He replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We've seen God. But his wife answered, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. The woman gave birth to a name and named... Uh, to, the, <laughs> the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahene Dan between Zorah and Eshtal. Amen. <laughs> Super, thanks Lucy. Um, so, that was pretty awesome. Vows, flaming angels, well, just one actually, angel of the Lord. Infertility, sacrifices, idol worship, fear, faith. So where do we start? Well, I'd like to start with the baddies. The baddies this morning in our story are, of course, the Philistines. They were threatening and persecuting the Israelites in the land of Canaan. You see, the Israelites had settled in the Promised Land. They had followed Moses and then Joshua. And we start our story today in a little place called Zorah, which was two miles from the Philistine border. And it was about 15 miles west of Jerusalem. The Israelites were oppressed. But there's no indication of distress in the story. It's more like a kind of acceptance. You see, they were in this self-destructive 
cycle. And so God gave them over to the Philistines, maybe to learn a lesson. You've probably heard of these, this group of people. They were the sea people. Uh, they were uh, immigrants from the north of the Mediterranean. And maybe you've heard of Goliath, who was, um, of course, who David um, uh, challenged. And we now are in the land of Dan and Judah. Most people were suffering, so they moved away. They moved north. But actually, there was one couple who stayed. This couple who was called, the man was called Manoah, and his wife doesn't get a name. Uh, they were peasants, and they couldn't have children. The angel of the Lord appears to this poor couple and tells them that they're going to have a son. The mum is told that she must make these special promises, these special vows, as well as the child. It's called the Nazarite vow, and it's basically like a, a special dedication to, to God. And you couldn't cut your hair um, and, or drink alcohol, and she wasn't allowed to do any of those things either. Samson was going to rescue the Israelites. Now, Samson was quite a character if you know the story. But today our talk is not actually about this unorthodox judge. It's actually about the circumstances before his birth. So we're going to think about what God is like, what, is, uh, what are angels like, who is this angel of the Lord, and then as we're going to apply it to our own lives, we're going to think about the role that angels might play in our lives today, and of course the difference in faith between the wife and Manoah. So, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. He appears to her both times. There are lots of parallels here. I want to share four little birth stories with you. Well, three more, really, because that's the first one. So the first one, if you go back a bit more, um, if you look at the life of somebody called Abraham, Abraham had a mistress uh, called Hagar, and um, she was visited by the angel of the Lord as well. And she was mistreated. This is what was said to her in Genesis 16. You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael. How about another birth story? Jumping ahead to the New Testament, somebody called Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were very old. They weren't expecting to have a baby. Luke 1 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John the Baptist. Ah, uh, what about another guy? Another guy called, well, actually, see if you can guess, this broken man who thought his wife had had an affair because she was pregnant and he hadn't slept with her, who actually had received the most amazing news. Matthew 1, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Of course, Gabriel, who's one of the few named angels, appears to Mary herself and tells her this news. So we have four incredible stories of birth. I think there's a picture there somewhere that hopefully might pop up on the screen. God sends this message 
of these incredible news that someone is going to have a baby. Now, about, no, 16 and a half, yep, I've been married 16 and a half years. Uh, when I told people that I was getting married, it was 17 years ago actually, almost to the day thinking about it, um, uh, when we got engaged, um, people were so excited for me. They were super happy. They were like, oh, that's amazing. You and Dave are going to get married. That's awesome. Um, and there was like happy plans and talking about like the wedding and the upcoming celebrations. And then there was a new level of joy when I told people that I was pregnant for the first, second, and third times. I've got three children. It's just incredible. When someone shares their news that, that, that they're expecting a baby, there's just this level of joy which you can't really explain. The thing that these people had in common, the mums and the dads-to-be, uh, they were all having a pretty hard time. And we remember that God loves to help and to uh, help the broken-hearted and the downtrodden. Hagar was an abused mistress um, and... Manoah's wife, no name, Manoah's wife was agonizing over a child. Zechariah and Elizabeth had perhaps been sidelined in old age. And Joseph was a broken man because he thought his wife had gone off and had an affair and she was going to be stoned to death. I mean, these are not good circumstances. But the angel of the Lord brings hope to this couple and to the ones before. That Samson is going to begin to deliver the people. The angel of the Lord appears to Manoah's wife and then disappears. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really bad at keeping secrets. As soon as something happens, I have to tell Dave about it straight away. Um, and maybe you're the same. Maybe Noah's wife was the same. because She tells him, she's like calling him quickly, look, come and see, this man has told me this incredible thing. So Manoah prays, and the angel comes back. Doesn't come back to Manoah, comes back to his wife. And she shouts for him. We have a no shouting rule in our house, which I break quite a lot. Um, and he follows her, he, Manoah, follows her to the angel of the Lord. So there's this like back and forth in the passage that Lucy kindly read to us between Manoah and the angel. And he asks some like really respectful questions. Um, and then he offers him a meal to the stranger, um, but he doesn't know who he is yet. And then you think to yourself, well, do angels actually eat food? Uh, well, Abraham's nephew Lot, if you look back a few passages before, a few, quite a few passages before, um, offers two flatbreads, no, maybe two, any, some flatbreads, to two angels um, who are, he's talking to in a place called Sodom, and they do eat them. But angels are, we'll talk about them, what they are in a minute, the angels are spirits, so they don't actually need food. But I'm not really sure if angels eat food, but I'd like to think there's like pizza in, in heaven, I think that would be quite cool. Now, just as soon as Manoah is about to see what's going on and about to have the penny drop, if you see what I mean, he asks the angel of the Lord this, what is your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? He then presents an offering to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing whilst Manoah and his wife watched as the flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. That is why I chose this passage today. We're in our Stranger Things um, topic, and the reason why I thought this was pretty cool is because I don't know much about flaming angels, and I thought it'd be fun to find out and fun to tell you, so that's why we're here. So this morning we're going to think about these, as kind of, I think there's more than one miracle, like the, first of all the miracle of an angel appearing, um, second of all the miracle of the flaming angel, and then third of all the fact that she couldn't have a baby, and then she could have a baby. 
they set the offering alight. And this was quite a normal thing to do um, as to sort of like a gift to God, as a sign of worship. Um, it was normal to show devotion and obedience, to offer something special and important to you. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And the fire comes down from heaven. Holy Spirit descends, consumes the offering, and the angel like disappears up into the smoke. I tried to find a really cool picture of this, but obviously I couldn't. Um, so you just have to use your own imagination. And then perhaps... We don't know, but perhaps Manoah and his wife then had this moment of prayer together that actually what the angel of the Lord had said would come true. There's this great quote here about prayer being the ascent of the soul to God. Prayer is the ascent of the soul to God. She couldn't have a baby and she could have a baby. At the beginning of the chapter, she couldn't. At the end, she gave birth to Samson. That is very cool. God showed his kindness and his mercy and his love and compassion, which has absolutely no end. And that's the story there. But actually, we can think about this kind of thing in our own lives too. With their permission, I just wanted to share a little testimony with you of some friends here at church and their journey towards parenthood. Our testimony is definitely one of faith. As we didn't know either way, and so we kept trying and praying it would happen. One Sunday, I was really struggling. We'd been trying to have a baby for two years, and I'd just turned 35. I went forward for prayer, and whilst I stood there crying, somebody came to pray for me. She had a picture of me. She had a picture for me. It was a rainbow over her house, and she thought that God was wanting to encourage me through it. Later that week, we saw a rainbow over our house, and the week after, we finally conceived. And what a blessing that little girl is. So, what are angels actually like then? So, angels rejoice whenever anyone repents. They rejoice when we pray over, uh, pray for somebody. I had an amazing experience. Um, I wasn't sure whether to share this, but I feel prompted to. Amazing experience in Lidl Car Park on Friday morning. This man came up to me who obviously was sleeping behind Lidl, and that's what he told me. Um, and he wanted some money. Um, and I was with my, two of my three children, and I thought, right, Lord, what am I going to do here? Pray for him. Prayed for him. Uh, I've been praying for him since. His name was Moses. Pray for Moses, who's homeless and lives behind Lidl, that he would know Jesus because I prayed for him and prayed that he would. And he was terrified, not of me, I don't think, um, but just, just of his situation. And I know that there was rejoicing in heaven when I took that step. And it's scary, but actually not that scary because you know that God is with you. They minister, these angels, and they serve amongst us. I hope there's angels going alongside Moses. They are created by God. They are mighty beings. They are there to guard us. The angel of the Lord appears to this poor, childless woman. And actually, angels are mentioned like over 300 times in the Bible. And according to the book of Hebrews, there might be millions of angels. So I've got three little thoughts here. Like, what do angels look like? What is their nature? And what do they actually do? They are brilliant beyond our knowledge and understanding. They surpass everything we could ever imagine. Now, they might not actually have wings, according to uh, tradition. They obviously have wings. but Maybe that's like a natural consequence of them being able to move very fast from like one place to another. 
and they can change appearance as they shuttle back and forth from heaven. Now, our eyes are not made to see angels, but then when you think about it, we can't see the structure of atoms, and bats have this incredible like radar system, and swallows and geese have this sophisticated guidance system that borders on the supernatural. So why is it strange that we can't see angels? Maybe it's not. They are glorious, impressively beautiful beings. They are not omniscient. They don't know everything, but they are 100% obedient. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that the, uh, the mighty angels, uh, 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 or actually the translation of these mighty angels that Paul says um, is actually the word dynamite, which is quite interesting when you start to think about that. Now, angels are organized in terms of like glory and authority. At the top, you have the, the archangel. And the archangel is called Michael. Yes. <laughs> he is a great captain. And he is, yes, Michael, he is the leader of the heavenly hosts. He is the warrior. He is going to accompany Jesus on the second coming. And he happens to be the patron saint of Kiev and the Ukraine. And the original Stipilak, my husband's great-granddad, was from Ukraine, and his name was Michael. And my husband's middle name is Michael. So I'd like us all to, to bow our heads and pray for Ukraine. Lord, we just lift up the situation in Ukraine to you, and we pray for your peace, your intervention, your Holy Spirit to fall upon that place right now, that the people who are vulnerable, who are exploited, would be freed, and Jesus, that you would put an end to this war. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I wanted to share a little uh, something that the Archbishop, the major Archbishop, I'm not sure the difference between a major Archbishop uh, and a, an Arnold Archbishop, I'll ask Pete, uh, is. We perceive today, he said this, this is what, he said this in April, this is pretty cool. We perceive today that Archangel Michael, together with the whole heavenly host, is fighting for Ukraine. So many people from throughout Ukraine are turning to me and saying that they saw luminous angels over the land of Ukraine. Pretty cool stuff. William Booth said, angels are like this. They emit an aura of rainbow light so brilliant, no man can stand the sight. Now I decided to ask my year sevens what, year, what angels look like. Oh, miss, they said. They had a little think. They put their hand up and said, miss, I think angels are like lightning. And I said, do you know what? That could be the whole talk, really, couldn't it? But anyway, just if you want to ask it, find anything out, just ask an 11-year-old. So Ezekiel speaks of these living creatures or the cherubim, and they are um, invisible, but actually they kind of have a, uh, they assume a body when they are given a particular task. Gabriel, he is one of the named angels in the Bible. He is the primary messenger of mercy. In Daniel, it says, while I was in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in an earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. And of course, it was Gabriel who told Mary and Elizabeth that they were going to have a baby. Now, there are other types of angels which haven't got specific names, but they're kind of like a group of angels called seraphim and another group of angels called cherubim, which are sometimes called the living creatures. So let's start with the seraphim. 
Again, I tried to find some pictures, but you can use your imagination as well. Seraphim, the root of this word, means the burning ones or the fiery ones, the noble ones. They are beautiful, awe-inspiring creatures, and they are positioned above God's throne. Their job is to praise and glorify God all the time. Above him, in Isaiah, above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. The cherubim, this is where it gets interesting as well, they sit beside God's throne. And this is what Ezekiel said about what the cherubim were like. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Now, these cherubim, or living creatures, have wings, they have hands, they have feet. And then the text in Ezekiel gets a little bit crazy. It talks about each of the cherubim has four faces. One was a cherub, the second the face of a human being, the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. And then it goes on to talk about these interconnecting gold wheels covered with eyes that float and move about the sky, which I didn't even have the headspace to think about what that was. So what do angels do? They worship God, they glorify God, and they have authority because God has created them and given it to them. They obey him. Now, they're not in heaven all the time. They are busy on earth, and they know you really well, and me. God shows us his presence through his angels. But they are not omnipresent. They can't be everywhere all at once. They go before us and they follow us. And we can have confidence, if we are believers, that they will watch over us because we belong to God. So this is a talk about the flaming angel, which is said to be the angel of the Lord. Angels don't draw attention to themselves. They give glory to God alone. Now, if you think about Genesis 18, back when he, uh, a, few, uh, a few years before, God appears to Abraham. Abraham, two angels, and the angel of the Lord. Now, when the Lord is used in the Bible in, in, in capitals, it means the Lord, like Yahweh, God, Jehovah. And the angel of the Lord here in Judges could potentially be that same angel of the Lord that appeared to Moses and Joshua and other people, and many, many people say this could be Jesus. And Noah himself says it, doesn't he? We have seen the Lord. It could be Jesus appearing in a bodily form in the Old Testament, perhaps a pre-incarnation manifestation of Jesus, the Christ. You see, the angel of the Lord has attributes which only belong to God. Manoah wasn't really sure who he thought he was. In verse 16, he didn't know. And then he has this encounter with this very cool flaming angel. And then he goes, oh, maybe that's God. 
it's an angel of the Lord. Oh, no, we're going to die. More on that in a minute. Um, and he asks some really brave, faith-filled questions. Then Manoah inquired of the Lord. No, the angel of the Lord. What is your name? So that we may honor you when your word comes true. He replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Now, this uh, is translated as wonderful or beyond comprehension. In Exodus, Miriam uh, talks about God being a wonder worker or that really famous passage in Isaiah, which we often read at Christmas, about Jesus being the wonderful counselor. Jesus' name is long kept a secret, but the gospel, of course, reveals who Jesus is as our saviour. Okay. So in our story, we've seen that God visits uh, Samson. No, God visits Samson's parents. He's not born yet. God visits Samson's parents to tell them that he's gonna have a, they're going to have a son and that he's going to be set apart from, for good things. He's going to rescue them from the Philistines. The angel of the Lord speaks to this childless couple. He declines dinner but says, how about a little bit of worship instead? And they prepare the burnt offering and it is consumed with fire and the angel of the Lord disappears up into heaven. So as we finish, I thought perhaps it would be useful to think about the presence of angels in our own lives and then the faith response from Manoah and his wife. Now, I have never seen an angel, but I know people have have, and I'd like to invite Beth to come and share a story. I feel a bit emotional listening to that. So... Um... When I was seven, I saw uh, an angel for the first time. I was at a Christian camp. Um, I was asleep in my bed with my friend next to me, my tent leader, about two beds over. And I woke up to the sound of, uh, well, I don't know, it was just a sound, but it didn't sound like a good sound. Uh, It turned out my tent leader was having an epileptic fit. Uh, And at the same time, I saw an angel appear in the middle of the tent. Now, to a seven-year-old, it looked like a, an angel. You know, like you've seen the picture books. As a seven-year-old, you've only ever heard about the one that visits um, Joseph and Mary. So it, it was enormous, absolutely enormous. I mean, the tent was one of those old canvas, massive ones. So it was up to the top of the tent. So it must have been seven foot, eight foot. And uh, it had wings. And it moved from the middle of the tent as I watched it. I was like middle of the tent, all, all the way over to the tent leader, bent down, took her head in his, his her hands, and um, the noise stopped. And I had my friend next to me, and I, I was like, do, do you see that? Do you see, look, do you see that? Am I imagining it? She wouldn't wake up. But she, and then she did, and then she said, I can't see anything. And then the next morning, I didn't get to sleep very much. <laughs> the next morning... Um, I spoke to my tent leader in amongst, you know, she'd had people around her because she'd had a fit and everything else. And she said, I saw an angel last night. I said, so did I. And she said, I was healed by the angel. So I was like, it wasn't just me. So it was great. And um, I went home. My parents didn't quite believe me. They were brethren, not into the Holy Spirit or spiritual experiences whatsoever. Uh, I went to church on Sunday and I told this old wise guy in church, he's like, top elder and he put me on his knee and I told him all about it and he goes Beverly said you just need to keep your eyes open and your ears open so that was the first time I've seen them since but that was a very memorable time
Fantastic. Thank you, Bev. Bev had other stories as well. Because of time, I couldn't ask her to share them all, but I'm sure that she would if you asked her to share with you. So, if you are a believer, then you can expect to see angels too. Would you like to see angels? That was my question as I was pondering over this. In, uh, in Acts 23, uh, Paul has a visitation from an angel. There is a storm, there's a shipwreck, and the angel of the Lord tells him not to be afraid. Paul says, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. There are different other visitations of angels in the Bible as well. Um, an angelic choir, perhaps like in the birth narratives of Jesus uh, in Luke. Maybe you've had a similar experience in worship. Other times people say that they have a sense, uh, an actual feeling that an angel is like wrapping their arms around them or like wings uh, in times of extra loneliness perhaps. And of course, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers as it says in Hebrews. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, I'm a very pragmatic person. I do believe that God has supernatural powers, and I would like to pray, and I'd like to invite us to pray, uh, that God would open my spiritual eyes, just like Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. Very cool story. Look it up. There are angels around us, I have come to believe, with their swords drawn who are there to fight our battles for us. Often life brings spiritual battles and physical battles, and we lost a legal battle this week, but I still think, I still think that there is a very, very big army of angels fighting for us. Not just me and my family, but us as, as God's people. But you know what? As I was pondering over this, surely there is a bigger knowledge and understanding here. Jesus said, surely I am with you, always, even to the end of the age. You see, Jesus, who made the angels, he promises us his presence. And regardless if you have angelic encounters or not, we know that these angels exist purely to worship Jesus. Jesus is beyond angels and humans. He alone is worthy of worship. In Nehemiah it says, you alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all of their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Now, as we finish, sorry, I've gone slightly over, um, I wanted just to talk briefly about the difference in faith between the two humans in the story. Um, and to do this, I feel like God reminded me of something that happened to me a long time ago. Now, I'm no gardener, really bad gardening, kill plants. Um, so um, our friend was 40, and um, uh, his wife, whose name uh, I shall give her, because her name is Fiona, and uh, our friend is Scott, um, he, she said to me that he likes plants. So I was like, brilliant, I'll buy him a plant. Mm, don't know anything about plants. So I took my friend Chloe with me. We had a lovely time with my daughter, browsing for like half an hour, the plants and the trees and the flowers. And I was really drawn to this one tree, 
um, which was pretty cool. It was an olive tree, and it was like 200 years old. I thought, that's really old. And it got me thinking about trees and things, and my mind wandered to the fig tree. It appears quite a few times in the Bible, and the fig tree's roots are very, very long. Now, I learned that the South African fig tree is 120 meters in its roots in length. That's pretty long. Now, long ago, somebody had a word for me, who's sitting in the room, about my faith and about how my faith was very deep-rooted. Now, I'd actually forgotten this word because it was a very long time ago, and the person probably has forgotten too. But God brought it back to me as I was thinking about this particular part of the talk this morning. Both characters in our story had faith. Both of them absolutely did. But perhaps the wife's faith was a bit deeper. Manoah had a traditional, rational response, and he was kind of slow to recognize God's presence. He did believe that the angel was going to do what he said he was going to do, and that he would have a son. But then he says a bit later, we shall surely die. So he was obviously a bit anxious about that. And then it was his wife who the angel appeared to, maybe because her faith roots went a bit deeper. He doubted and she helped him. She had like a faithful, thoughtful, level-headed approach. And she reasoned that God wouldn't have accepted their sacrifice or worship, nor shown them this strange thing, because let's be fair, it wasn't normal at the time. If you go back to um, 1 Samuel 3, it was not normal for God to show up, basically, in these times. And of course, it's really important to share your, your experiences of God with your other half. She had faith in God's plan. God would begin to deliver his people through the child that she had not yet even conceived. So, as we finish, thank you so much for listening. Can I invite Anna and the team to come back? So I just want to say, believers, take courage and look up. As King David says in the Psalms, angels are nearer than you think. In the inner sanctum of God's throne room, they are there with the seraphim above and the cherubim beside. And this is always open to those people who trust Jesus. I'd like to encourage you this morning to seek a deep-rooted faith. Pray for it because God longs to work in you and through you. All of the angels glorify Jesus. He is the focus. There is praise for the one to whom all praise belongs. This Jesus, he makes his face shine upon us and our face reflects his. There's no way I could have stood here and told, done this without, without Jesus right beside me. Jesus pursues you and he gives you his beauty. Martin Luther said, do not doubt that you are altogether lovely because of him and for his sake. Jesus delights in your faith. Jesus is the lover of your soul. He is the one who is the freedom bringer, the Lamb of God. He loves us, and he is the one to whom all angel armies worship night and day, day and night, because he is worthy. Amen.